Welcome back to another episode of the Ordinary Extraordinary Experience. I'm going through a rebranding process and I'm trying to figure out a name. Today, I've got someone I find quite interesting for a number of reasons. Do you want to do you introduce yourself? Sure, yeah. My name's Ocean, um, a founder of Ocean's Therapy. And yeah, I mean, that's all really, we can get further into me during this podcast. Most definitely. Um, I, I wanted to talk to you today about like a number of things. I think Ocean, Ocean Ocean's therapy is definitely like, we are definitely going to have a conversation about how that came about, everything that that revolves around and what you're doing with it, I think is quite cool in terms of you're not going along the lines of just putting out content, you're actually doing live IGTVs or were doing live IGTVs when you started, which was completely different to anything I'd seen. And I was like, how is this sustainable? And somehow you made it work every single day. Oh God, I know that was, that was a tough few weeks. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was, was like really at, seven, at seven o'clock every day. I was like, yeah. Ocean's live, Ocean's Therapy's live with this person, <laughs> with this person, with this person. I was like, what the hell is, how is this I girl know. doing this? God, that was intense. It was very intense. Um, but you know what I wanted to start with? We had a conversation about uh, your faith when we were talking about a list of topics that we could talk about. And um, I'd never, ever come across it before. Could you mm -hmm. shed some light on it? Could you explain your faith? Um, and sure. maybe, maybe explain like how, like how you're born into that and your family was born into that. Yeah, of course. So um, I'm a Baha'i, so a member of the Baha'i faith. And really interesting, the Baha'i faith is actually the newest religion. Um, we do believe that every religion was right. We, we still actually, so I went to Sunday school up until I was probably 13 every single Sunday. And within Sunday school, you know, I was learning about every single religion. So we were taught Hinduism, um, Buddhism, um, Islam, Christianity, you know, we were taught everything, Judaism. We, but um, the premise is, is that they were all correct. Um, but some factors of each religion change in the sense of they move with the times. Um, so mm -hmm. some things that perhaps were right in a hundred years, 200 years ago, maybe now wouldn't be applicable. And you know, like I do actually, at the beginning, I was like, how is that possible? How can we believe that every faith was correct, but some aspects of them are different? But you know, something that I like to say is that in the sense of with any faith, it's kind of like a software update not saying that the previous update was wrong or anything about it was incorrect, but the fact that by updating your phone to the newest software update, like iOS 11, let's say, your phone is going to function better than it would on iOS 3 because things in regards to the phone and everything about society has changed, right? So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, it's a really interesting faith because it really, really stems its premise on kind of like charity, love. Um, you know, it, it's very much so similar to many of the other religions that say you know don't sin uh, love others care for your neighbor much like that but there are just certain things that are different and i think that i i believe that the most important part is the fact that we what i find sometimes controversial it may be is that sometimes religion can bring about um aggression between people and i really Almost find that definitely. sad and I find that so sad because the, the reason we have religion is to make love, you know, and for it, like God doesn't want us to cause war. It's peace. Right. So I find it really interesting. And I found like that the fact that why is it is it that it can cause so much war? And I think that something interesting is that sometimes in religions, there are actual kind of, as you said previously, there are, there's kind of like a hierarchy. Right. Whereas in the Baha'i faith, there's no hierarchy. So we're all equal. No one, you are not allowed to preach. So you can't say, oh, why is that Baha'i doing this? Why is that Baha'i doing, you know, it's between you and God, everything. So maybe my behavior as a Baha'i would be completely different to another person's behavior as a Baha'i, but that doesn't mm -hmm. make me any less of a Baha'i. That's, that's interesting. It's kind of, it, the way you describe it seems like it's, it's taken pieces of other religions and other ways of life mm. and it's incorporated yeah. it all into one totally. what's it been yep. like what's it been like growing up as a baha'i i mean uh, do you see so do you see through things through a different lens compared to your your peers or your friends i think i think it sounds really in a way kind of it sounds different but in the sense of so i grew up at all girls school um you know and at, at that age 
my parents were getting divorced. It was quite a tough time for me. And I think the Baha'i faith definitely gave me a, a lot of structure. Also, in the sense of maybe at like the age of 16, 17, everyone's just kind of veering off the path. And I think mm -hmm. although I still veered off that path, I think that my faith definitely pulled me back, you know, there are certain things that are practiced within, you know, certain cultures and definitely being in the UK, there's certain things that are normalized that the Baha'i faith definitely does not agree with, agree on. And I think <laughs> in a way it just brought me back down and, you know, my parents never, like, so, so basically my mom, um, she, she's been a Baha'i from birth, whereas my dad actually wasn't and he joined the faith for my mom and then he was a Baha'i from that. It's interesting that you don't use the words convert. And you said join the faith what, what, instead of convert. Join the faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, because, how, like, how does that work? Well, because I think with converting, you know, sometimes converting religion can just be a bit harsh. So, you know, you have to completely change your religion because of, you know, marriage or because someone doesn't mm -hmm. want you to be that religion. In the Baha'i faith, there's not that, it's, it's not structured in that way. It's more like, you know, it's completely your choice. We, you're not allowed to, that's why at Sunday school, since I was younger, I learned every religion because as a Baha'i, your parents can't force you to be a Baha'i. You make that decision when you're 16 years old. And that is a completely autonomous decision. You make that interesting. Yeah. That's so different. Okay. So you're not born into the Baha'i faith. So I wasn't right. born as a Baha'i. You, you were taught about every religion and then every religion. you were able to and choose. And I made my own decision. Yeah, exactly. What, what made you, at the age of 16, what made you choose? What what was it? Do you know what? Honestly, I just think that the the principles of the Baha'i faith really, ah. really, really kind of connected to me. And I think there are certain aspects of every faith that I find so beautiful. I really do. <laughs> and I think if anyone tells you differently, they're lying. Um, I just think that for me, though, with the Baha'i faith, it just felt like it was home to me. I think seeing my mom, the person she is, you know, it just... And, and my dad as well, you know, and he became a Baha'i as well. And the way they practiced the faith was so beautiful. And I kind of idolized them for that. And I think the fact that they weren't kind of shun, they didn't shun down on any other religion and say, you know, this one's incorrect. Sometimes I think as a, as a child, if your parents push you against something and say like, this is wrong, 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 you want to go mm -hmm. towards that. Whereas if they mm -hmm. say everything's correct, you make an informed decision. You actually make the decision which is correct for you. Agreed. Agreed, most definitely. And with, with regards to kind of growing up in, in a Baha'i environment, what does that look like? Like for me, growing mm -hmm. up in, the, in a Hindu household, it was very much the, me not, I think the, the biggest thing was me not understanding Hinduism. And I only got okay. that when I went to India and I've, I've been to India and I spent a year there and kind of immersing myself in that environment. So from a young age, it was very much like the surface level idol idol looking you know way of life i would i would call mm -hmm. it a religion um but after coming back from india i realized it's most it's it's like layers of an onion you start mm -hmm. with with these idols because they're they, they're in human form and as you get deeper and deeper and deeper and you you know you go through the scriptures and well, it's not so much scriptures but you begin to absorb the way of life i i explain it explain it it becomes less of a religion and just a way of thinking and a way of just operating. Um, that sounds, it's so nice, that explanation. Yeah, I, but you see, I, I'm only able to do that because I was immersed in the culture for a year. And mm -hmm. the problem is, is that everyone around you in India is is operating at different levels. So you've got, and you've got to figure it out of like, where are they in the grand scheme of Hinduism? Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things my dad used to say to me as a kid was like, you're able to look at other religions because you're a Hindu. Okay, and that's I, I never, un I never understood that. And, um, it's kind of now I take a, I take a very much, a, I take an approach of a yogic Hindu lifestyle. So if someone has a reason and a way of doing something, so let's say your way of life, um, fitted, like was, was really good for you and you were able to make make jumps in the, in your careers, in your, in your family life and relationships, and you were doing well and you were using this kind of structure and it was, and it was working for you. And he said to me, Viraj, like, give this a go. And I'm like, no, 
I would previously be like, no, I'm, I, this is my way of life. This is the way I'm going to do it. Now I take the approach of if you've got a better way of doing something, I'm going to take your way. I'm going to try it. And if it works, but it I works. Love and that. I love that. I really love that. And I think that's what's so important about some, you know, in some cases where a child has been told that only one religion can be, well, actually, why don't you give that child the opportunity to invest, kind of immerse themselves as you did in the religion and understand what they love about it. And also to understand that the world is filled with so many different people. And, you know, our way is not always right. It's nice exactly. to actually listen to other ways and, and actually be able to understand other people. And I love the fact you just said that. And it really, like, it definitely it links to what I believe in really, really deeply. And, and the fact that, you know, in our daily lives, like I smoke shisha and shisha yeah. is not a Hindu thing. Shisha is typically an Islamic thing. You know, it's a, yeah. um, it came from the, well, I'm pretty sure it was like the Ottoman Empire. And yeah, it, it came was from the Ottoman their, Empire. It was their pastime, right? Yeah. And I'm here smoking it, you know, on a, on a bi-weekly basis with my friends. I do a whole podcast where we smoke shisha and we, we talk and we, we talk about these like out there conversations. The fact that I'm able to absorb, to absorb that in my life, still look at it with through this like positive lens. I love because mm. I'm able to adopt that and implement it into my way of life. And if it works, it works. Which is great. And the, moment it, and the moment I start feeling the effects of it, you know what? You go, okay, fine. I'm going to need a month's break. Or we just go into isolation again. Yeah. It will be forced. Forced break for you. <laughs> forced break. Most definitely. <laughs> but what was it like growing up then? Like, what, what, what does a typical Baha'i family look like? Is, so, there, is it any different from, from the norm? Not even. Like, you know, the thing about the Baha'i faith is we don't have, like, a church, you know? There's no... Right we have our place of um, our holy place, which is in Haifa in Israel, but actually we don't have any churches. What the way we actually practice. Why is sorry. it in, why is it? Sorry. I've, I've, I'm just jumping in. Why is it in Israel? Uh, Israel um, is a holy because, land. I understand yes, that. Because Bahola is um, buried in Haifa. And who is Bahola? He is um, one of the prophets of the Baha'i faith. Right. Yeah. So that's why it's in Haifa. Um, and I mean, so, you know, there's no specific Baha'i, you know, there's millions of Baha'is around the world. You know, something mm. that really, really like shook me the other day, sorry, a month or so ago, I found that, you know, Penn Badgley from you and Gossip Girl? From, Dan from Gossip Girl. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Baha'i in New York. And he, no. yeah, and he really, really like speaks very highly of the faith and he's always advocating because Baha'is are being persecuted in Iran. So much sense from his Instagram really? post. Yes, yes, exactly, because he's a Baha'i. That makes so much sense. Oh, right, this makes sense. Yeah, so he's a Baha'i, and you know, there's there's so many Baha'is around the world, but what my point is that it's not like you know, in Iran, uh, you know, there are many, many Baha'is, but it's not just the mm -hmm. um, Iranian faith. There's people that British, um, Indian, um, Australian, you know, across the globe, we have so many Baha'is. And I think growing up, it was a very, it was peaceful. I think, you know, it's a very peaceful faith. You know, there's no violence, no aggression. You know, you're not meant to shout. It's very chilled. But also, mm -hmm. by the way, don't get me wrong, I still shouted. And I still do shout. But again, that's between me and God. So it's okay. But you know, like you can't be perfect. But I think like, you know, we went to Sunday school on Sundays. Um, it, we went to feasts. So every week there's a feast. Um, and the right. feast is a, it's basically where everyone in the community that you live in um, goes to someone's house, a new person's house every week. And you sit and you pray. So similar, similarly to church on Sunday. Similarly, yeah, but it's on, but it will be say a Wednesday or a Thursday, right. yeah, in, in, in someone's home, and it will be an evening. Um, and you know, you, you go and you buy the most like beautiful food so that everyone does like the prayer ceremony, um, where everyone just has a prayer and the children are there. And then, you know, you, um, we discuss about some of the, the newsletter from the House of Justice, and then there's chai, which is Persian tea, is served, Persian tea. and yeah, exactly. And many kind of like beautiful foods are presented. You know, it's just a very warm experience. It's very relaxed, you know, and it's one of those things where in sometimes in the feast, you know, my cats would jump in. It's a very chilled, chilled. We're praying, but, you know, it's, the room is holy at that point. Understood. I, you, for, for me, with our, with Hindu, with Hinduism and their 
because they have events all through the year, right? There's like yeah. Diwali, there's Holi, there's there's stacks of them. And um, yeah. I got to, I've, I've experienced them here my whole life in the UK. And I've always thought that they were a little too serious. They were never, right. they're never, they're fun. But as I grew up, I realized like, you know what? This is just getting to the point where it's a little bit, it's a little bit OTT. Yeah. I went to India and I experienced Diwali there. Not in my hometown wow. where it comes from. And I was like blown away. Like literally really? blown away. I've never had that much fun um, oh, doing something like amazing. that. And for me, I find the, the idea of God quite confusing. Um, mm-hmm. And the entity that is God. I believe in a higher power and mm-hmm. whatever that might be works for me for the time being. If someone, Like I said, if someone gives me a reason and gives me an explanation for why something else is better in it and makes more sense, I'm going to use that definition. Um, yeah. But in the UK, I found it was too much. There was too much to do with the gods and too much like that. Uh, and it was a little bit too serious. Went to India and it was very much just like so much fun. They, they, yeah. they brought back what it was like, what, I, what I'd imagined it would be like, what it looks like in the movies. And I think the question I've got for wow. you is you talk about holy and, and the word holy and the room felt holy. What yeah. is a Baha'i's relationship with God? How does that work? <laughs> so the way you talk really- about it makes it uh, seems like initially i thought that the baha'i faith was was quite an external kind of faith in terms of you you look out you don't look in but the way you describe it to me now and the way that you've been talking about it makes it seem like it's between me and god and it's like that is very much a reflection and you've got to go and look inside and work on yourself and it's this idea of it seems like this it's, it's a faith where you're continuously working on yourself yeah, totally agreed. And I think I think you'll agree with me is that, right, with any religion, it's what you make of it. So people agreed. determine that one faith says one thing and then actually it says this and one says this. You know, there is always different variations of what a faith is supposedly saying, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas with the Baha'i faith, I believe that, again, it's similar. There are just what we believe. And it's not, you don't have to prove anything to anyone. You know, you don't have to go somewhere to pray. You know, someone that, for me, I pray at night, every night. And, you know, it's not something where I read a huge um, passage or a huge scripture. It's not like that. For me, I just say my prayer and they're in Arabic and they're what I learned from when I was a baby. And I remember them chanting them when I was just literally five years old. So they come naturally to me. And even if I'm laying in bed, I don't need to necessarily sit up and it doesn't need to be a whole process, but I, it's because it's between me and God and God knows that I'm speaking and, and, and so can hear me. And so wh- whether that be in a time of need or whether that just be in a time of gratitude for me, I don't believe that you should just pray at a time of need. So I'm all for praying to say like, thank you so much, God, for everything you've given me. You know, thank you. You, for- do, you do it for the good and the bad. Yeah, because be. I don't, because if you agree with me, everyone, even if they don't believe in God, when that plane is about to crash, you're praying for God. But are you praying to God to say thank you for everything you've received in your life? Probably not. Gratitude, gratitude is super important. I feel that like so I gratitude journal on a daily basis or I, or I try to yeah. on a daily basis. I'm still working into the routine now. Which but is so important. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. I think this is, you know what, this is a great moment to change gears slightly um, and dive into Ocean's Therapy. Sure. And, Let's and dive like, into it. Because you literally push out gratitude on Instagram. You push out gratitude, positivity, inspiration, everything under the sun. And I love it. And this is, this is, I, I do this with everyone, right? I, I have this piece during the podcast where I just absolutely put them up on a pedestal because I love it. Thank I love it. I love well. people doing amazing things. And I love people that do things differently. And you've done that with yeah. Ocean's, Ocean's Therapy. And like the name just off the top <laughs> you know it's funny because actually the like as i'm i'm not you know maybe people don't know but i've said in previous podcasts that i literally just made this in lockdown you know so the name just i just was sat with my mom and she was like just go for it and i just thought let's just put my name in it because everyone 
you know, 90% of people that say, what's your name? And I say, Ocean, they're like, what a lovely name. You know, it's always, this, which is really kind. And I really it. was the first it, line. It was literally the first it, line of our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, well, why don't I just use my name? It's so easy. Um, but, but again, like it just, I just thought, let's just use that. And also people will remember it. And they'll also know that it's linked to me. Whereas if I did something that was like well-being something, you know, how do people know that it's linked to me? Whereas if mm-hmm. it says my name in it, they know that I'm there creating the content for that page. See, for me, when I, when I, named, when I was naming the podcast, um, I was really against using my own name initially. Really? For like ego purposes. Okay, fine. And I, I didn't want to name it Virage this and Vir- or Virage that because yeah. one, Virage is just a hard name to rhyme with. It's like, there's two things, Mirage, <laughs> Garage, or three things, Entourage. <laughs> And I can't really, really work that into the ethos of what, what this podcast is about. So um, yeah. that's why I didn't choose it. But like, tell me the, the origins of Ocean's Therapy and what, what it is and what you do with it and the business that it is. Sure. So, you know, as, as I said, like it just really a stab in the dark. Um, I had nothing to do. It was lockdown. And I'm not really one of those people that can just watch Netflix all day. I'm very, you know, my my whole family will say I'm that annoying girl that when I'm watching a movie, I'm painting my nails. Sometimes it's not good, but I just always want to be doing something. And I think I created it and I thought, look, I'm going to... Um, uh, do a lot I, I thought let me do something different so like I don't see that many people doing lives with people ordinary people as well as well-known people regularly right so I just thought why not give it a shot and then I actually did a live with so I didn't know anything about Instagram live at this point because I'd never done one so I did an Instagram live with the page with no content on with one of my friends Melina she was the first person that I did it with and obviously she had an Instagram base whereas I had no one and people started following me and I was like, how are people following me? And I realized because I went live, people could then see my page, but I had no content. So I just thought, oh, okay, fine. People messaging me like, oh, this is cool. Or what is this about? And then I started, you know, thinking, okay, look, let me go down this path mm-hmm. of doing a live every single day. Now, okay, that was quite an ambitious idea because that didn't hold out. I mean, I, I went for a while and you know, you can, you, I know that you were kind of with me through that process that I was doing two to three a week up until let's say three months ago, but I got a job and honestly it wasn't sustainable. And actually I found that when I was doing them, my last live was, I think not last Sunday, the Sunday before, you know, the, the less, when I did it once every couple of weeks, it meant that when I actually did it, I could put all my energy into it. And what I kind of aimed is that I speak with people and kind of normalize the speaking of mental health issues and mental health awareness, whilst also giving tips, such as kind of just like mental health tips, anxiety tips, all around positivity. I just wanted my page to be a positive place where it's not only just like images, um, but it's also kind of things that link to what I would want to watch myself. So I did kind of center it around what I would actually go out there and look at. So with the lives, it was something that I didn't really see anyone else doing. And then with the content that was positive on depression, anxiety, giving tips. And, you know, I just made it made it a thing where I would just make sure that I do it every single day. And obviously you can't keep to that all the time because stuff gets in the way. You've got a yes. job, you know, relationships, family. But I, I try my best. And, you know, I still get some really nice messages every few days saying, you know, your page has really helped me um, get through some stuff. And it really keeps me going. It makes me feel so happy. And I'm, I'm just really impressed with the response from everyone. It's, it's, it's really encouraging. I remember seeing it, it popped up on the suggested uh, accounts to follow. I was looking yeah. at it, I was like, I know this girl. I'm, I've like, known her from university. <laughs> um, what's this? And then literally, I remember looking at the next day and it was like 500 followers. And then it was like 1,000, 1,500, 2,000. I was like, this is going at an incredible rate. I know. You know what? Honestly, I'm, it, what I was so grateful for is I have, so, I have so many great friends around me. And everyone was just so supportive, sharing everything, saying, you know, go follow this, go see this. And it was just fantastic the way that everyone responded. I like the energy that you put through it. And the energy that's, uh, that comes off in the IGTVs and also, I know you started doing reels 
and the energy that comes off in the yeah. rails is really nice to see. And it's not, you know, what's oh, great about you. it. It's, it's not just a motivational, inspirational therapy, talking about depression and anxiety and mental health. There's also yeah. an element of you showing your personality. Thank you. Yeah. Which, I really think that's different. important because I didn't do it at the beginning. Yes. Yes. At the beginning, it was very much just like still, Yes, and you were, and with the IGTVs, you were very much kind of um, you were you were interviewee, and now exactly. and now yeah. you've grown into it, and it's very much like this is this is Ocean's platform. Well, this is what I well, this is what I'm like. I think that is very important. Is that obviously you have to have that aspect of like interview uh, kind of aspect, but at the same time, you know, like I had some people say to me, "Well, that's not Ocean," you know, and it's true because like I am so. I'm strange, you know, I'm like, I'm, oh. I'm chatty, I'm funny, like, you know, and I want to, I want to put that into my page. Yeah, I, I, you know what, it's great. And the fact that, you know, we're, we live in this world where you can do that. And in lockdown, you're able yeah. to just pick it up and, and start something and now potentially turn it all at some point down the line, turn it into a full time business, I think is phenomenal. Well, what about you? When did you start your podcast? I start my podcast. So this ties in quite nicely. Um, my podcast started not as, it didn't start as the extraordinary experience. It didn't start as the ordinary experience. It started as, I will name this podcast later. And what it oh, was. Oh, I love that though. It, it was, it's a great name, but it doesn't mean anything. And that was the whole point of it. It wasn't yeah. for me. Um, sorry. Mm -hmm. It was for me, but I didn't want to put any effort into branding because I yeah. used it as basically a way of me talking about my mental health and talking about I suffer from depression and suicide and yeah I remember in my, you mentioned in my third year of university I didn't really know how to cope with it um and I wasn't coping with it it was kind of this I was just pushing it back and pushing it back and just just erasing it from my mind or trying to rather than anything else so the mm -hmm. podcast came about as this way of freezing my thoughts in time freezing my thoughts and my feelings in time so that I could then reflect mm -hmm. on it because I realized that the mind can only do so much. It can only store so much information and ultimately Absolutely. it fails you and it will, it will always put you in a position to look at things through the best lens. It will protect you. I, yeah. I remember the point at which I wanted to commit suicide and that feeling, however, sorry, but not the feeling. I can never put myself, I can put myself back where it was. I can put myself in the same situation, but the emotions are different. Because the brain, I, no, my, my theory is the brain protects you. It never wants to hurt itself. Um, and so it will never let me do that. And now, you know what, I'm in a, I'm in a better position. I put in my self-work, I journal, I meditate, I do my yoga, I go to the gym. I try and eat well, um, try and not have a massive alcohol intake, although that's sometimes difficult. Um, yeah, we have our moments. Um, Everyone does. But, but that's kind of where mine started. And then it, it spiraled into this thing where I wanted to showcase and talk to people doing interesting things, but ordinary people doing interesting things. And now I'm kind of like, I've got this love-hate relationship with the brand of the ordinary experience. Um, and I want to push the boundaries of what a podcast and audio experience can be. So that means taking it onto YouTube and bringing out different types of content. Um, like I've, I've dabbled in YouTube. I did crypto mm -hmm. content. I did like lifestyle design type content, like mental health type content, but it wasn't ever me. And, and this format allows me to get across my personality. So sit, sitting down non-form content just works perfectly for me. Because that's what that's I what mean, I crave. Which is, which is so nice. Um, I think, obviously, again, like I know we've spoken about previously about um, you suffering with depression, and again, I'm so sorry you went through that. That's right. um, I think that obviously for you to have made such a incredible improve, like improvement in yourself and in your life from that, is so incredible. And and I do believe that from when people can turn a negative into such a positive aspect in their life, it's a real great skill. And obviously that's what you've done. You know, you've worked on you and yeah. you've been able to now, you know, without, without that experience in your life, perhaps the ordinary experience podcast would have never been. 
you know what? Probably. Probably. I would have never got into yeah. content. And exactly. I'm, I've, I've got this attitude now of irrespective of what it is, fuck it, let's just do it. Amazing. Try I love to, that. Are we, are we having a therapy session right now? Is that what's going to happen? Well... <laughs> Wait, it's my automatic, like, I'm bearing down that route. We can do that. We can have a live therapy session. Um, A live therapy. But but before we jump into the therapy session, (laughs) it's it's great because I can talk about it with people. And people's automatic reaction is is your reaction. It's like, I'm sorry. And in a way, mentally, I kind of, I don't say it, but I'm like, I'm not sorry. I was probably the best thing that ever happened to Mm -hmm. me. Because I'm out of this rut and I'm out of this societal life script that that I was following, I was, and I've got this whole story behind it. It's, which is all true. I wanted the Wolf of Wall Street life. And that was, that was going to be me. That's what I wanted. Retire by 40, party, 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 drugs, alcohol, women, big cars, fat houses, right? Mm. Like living in Chelsea and then, you know, taking a a helicopter to, to um, the suburbs, like living in Surrey, right? That was what I, I wanted. The Ferraris, yeah. Porsches, the lot. And um, my time in India kind of gave me the opportunity to sit with myself and figure out who I was or who, I, who, I, who I'd become and who I really was. Like, don't get me wrong, materialistic things So it things kind of humbled you. Yeah, in a, in a way it humbled me. But I think the biggest thing I was scared of was how do I live without nothing? And you go to a third yeah. world country and you see people living with nothing. And you and you you look at them and you're like, can I do that? And mm. I got to a point where I think it maybe for a day I was able to say to myself, yeah, you could do that. You could you could sit there and survive without anything, you know, begging and feeding and, and live just living off what people give you. For a single day, I thought I could do that, and then I realized that you know what, I'm not built that way. I have an opportunity. I have. I have a wealth of education. You know, I, I come from a first world country. I've been, I'm privileged in my, my upbringing and my parents and everything that they've given me, the, the, their education, the things and kind of this platform that they've, they've put me on to go and succeed in life. And I was like, I've just got to take every opportunity that comes my way, whether it's, you know, working with friends and, you know, building a comedy gig or it's, um, you know, hosting a podcast and making that, trying to make that my full-time vocation. Um, yeah, but then also having to do things that you don't like, like I, and I'm very vocal about this. I don't like my nine to five. I, on a daily basis, I wake up and I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ, I've got to go to work. I hate it. Genuinely. It's now, the most depressing wh- why don't you thing in the world. Jobs? Uh, I am. I'm actively looking for other jobs, Okay, but for me, Fine. it's very much in the situation of, I am not cut out. I feel like I'm not cut out to work an ordinary job. Yeah, I need something that pushes my boundaries, and the only thing that does that is creating content and YouTube. Because YouTube is which by is far, amazing. The fact that you can still do that, it's great. And you know what? The, the only reason I do the job, and the reason that the way I squared it off in my head, is that you might wake up and you might um, not enjoy your nine to five. You might not enjoy your your typical job. But for me, it pays for my other job. It allows me to pay for the yeah. camera that this is on pay for the mics, pay for the headphones, yeah. pay for the, the whole the whole setup. Um, and without that, I can't sustain a living. I can't sustain the lifestyle that I exactly. want to live. And I made that choice. And it's an it is a conscious choice. It's not an unconscious choice. And I think that's the biggest thing for me. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I mean, I think that obviously, you know, it's important that you the fact that you analyze that yourself and you come to that conclusion. Um, and I do think that obviously the fact that you're able to still practice you know because sometimes it can be very restrictive on you uh when you when you're doing something nine to five that's actually not your passion when you want to do something that is actually completely soul aligned it's difficult right but it's about taking that initiative and just taking it on the side so at least you're having that creative output even if it is not a hundred percent of your output yeah and that's a great way of explaining it that's a great way of putting it as, as well because Although I don't get to use my, the bulk of my day is taken up with the, a thing I don't like. But during that mm-hmm. time, if you're met, for me, I mentally try and automate it so that I'm, I exist there, I do the job. But mentally, I'm dealing with other things. 
mentally which I'm somewhere fine. else, which is okay because the job gets done. And I try and I do give a hundred percent and I try and give a hundred percent every single day, show up, put in the work on myself for the job. And then for my other job, I don't even call it a side hustle. This is not just a podcast. For me, this is another job. I love that word side hustle. My dad always says that I word. Don't. He's like, you're the queen of, queen of side hustles. <laughs> I don't, I, I really dislike it. Cause for me, I've, I, maybe it's just the way I look at it and the way I perceive the words. I think people, when they talk about side hustles, they treat them with a different level of respect. Oh, I get what you mean. You I guess because it's from. not the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the same from your main kind of like job. Exactly. It's the side. Well, you can have two side hustles. You know, your main job can be your side hustle too. Yeah. And, and it can be, it's, just um, my, it's just my definition of it, right? Yeah. And that's just the way I square it off in my head. And when people were like, no, it's, it's, for me, it's a side hustle. I'm like, is it a side hustle or is it a real job? Because if you, yeah. want, if you want to make it your real job and you treat it like a side hustle, you, maybe you won't get as far with it. Yeah, that's, that's actually very true. And yeah, I'm, no, I'm no psychologist like you, but I kind of, I give my little two pennies worth here and there. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not a psychologist either. I, I would have to train to be a clinical psychologist. No, um, I'm not a psychologist. So, you have to train to do your doctorate. So how does, how does the therapy side of Ocean's Therapy work? Therapy is different. So the thing is, is that to be a clinical psychologist, you have to do a doctorate, right? Right. So prior to that, you can do how many years of experience and how many years of education until you finish your doctorate, you're not a clinical psychologist. Now, a therapist is different. Um, and also like, so for example, me personally, I'm a certified hypnotherapist because I did a hypnotherapy course. Also, I can technically, I'm able to do, you know, my coaching live sessions. Now, those coaching live sessions, technically, I'm inputting my therapy knowledge, my psychology knowledge. But because of the fact that I'm not certified clinical psychologist yet, I can't advertise as a psychologist, which is totally fine. Um, and again, it's just waiting till my education will finish for me to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, I, I always find it interesting, right? And I always think it's so strange that... If I'm, I mean, I've spoken to probably 30 people in the last six months for life coaching sessions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of, all of which have been like, you've really changed me. And, and I find it so crazy how that the fact that, you know, whatever my input is, obviously it's from a psychology background, right? But you're, you're not technically, you shouldn't technically be doing any psychology. Fine. It's life coaching. It's okay. But do you see what I mean? In the sense of like, they, it's that restriction, but I'm actually helping people. So is it not better for me to help people than for people to be struggling? And I, and I just find that a very restrictive factor. Right. So because you can't advertise yourself as a psychologist, you advertise yourself as, yeah, a, I mean- as a therapist <laughs> and a life coach. You're, you're legally allowed coach, to, yeah. a life coach, life you're coach legally allowed to do that. Right. Yeah, yeah, a life coach and a hypnotherapist. So Ultimately, the goal is the same, are... to help people. Exactly, yeah, it's, it's, the goal is the same, but I think people sometimes think, oh, you know, it, life coaching or hypnotherapy isn't going to be as effective as a psychologist. I'm sure many psychologists are also fantastic. Hey, when you, when you said to me, I do hypnotherapy, one, I was like, i got to give this a go, Right. I'm like, I've got to get in a session with Ocean. And two was the only other person I know that had hypnotherapy was Mike Tyson. And that turned him into literally one of the best boxers ever. Mike, like Tyson, Mike Tyson from as a, as a kid, I think at like the age of 18, he started hypnotherapy sessions. I, I might be off on the dates and the age, but, um, they basically fed him aggression to turn him into a monster. Really? Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. And now, but and now supposedly he's going through this unwiring of like, or he's been through this unwiring of like having to, to, to unwire all of that therapy so that he goes back, he wow. reverts back to who he is. Now, I find that so crazy because the thing with the hypnotherapy is you're actually speaking to someone's subconscious. Right. You're not speaking to them. You're speaking well, to the subconscious because well, you're putting them. But when you're boxing and you're in that, that heated environment, isn't it your subconscious reacting? Yeah, exactly. But I find it so interesting how you, how the fact that he's, she's, they, they have trained in hypnotherapy, his subconscious to then 
unwind it from the training that they've done. You know, it's like reverse roles completely there. I think, it, I think that's amazing. because he, he realized who that he'd become a monster. And I, I don't know, yeah. I'm not Mike, yeah. I've never spoken to him, but I think like from what I understand and around his content, he was like, I became a bad person and I didn't yeah, want to be that I know, person I definitely, anymore. Do you, with, with hypnotherapy, yeah. like how does that work? So what it is, is putting it's not, um, it's the not patient. Like, it's not a... Uh, no. Like... <laughs> no, 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 it's not. It's not. It, 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 everyone thinks of it like, oh my goodness, can you read my mind? I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. The way it works is that you put someone into a, a um, altered state, so a state of relaxation. So for example, you know when you're driving a car yeah. and your mind is like kind of on autopilot, so mm -hmm. you just drive and you don't think. That state of kind of relaxation and the state of kind of you're not in your own mind is what we want to get you into and when you're in that state we can then open up and speak to the subconscious mind so for me I've done it with stress I've done it with anxiety I've done it with self-confidence um I actually really interestingly so my boyfriend is really not a believer in well he wasn't a believer in hypnotherapy you know he's very he's like oh you know you're you're amazing with what you do but he never really thought it would work on him right now a few weeks ago he had troubles with sleeping and i said to him i was like look jack i'll stay with you and tell me whether or not you you can sleep better so he usually sleeps better when someone's with him so i was like fine and then one night he couldn't sleep so i said look let me just try my hypnotherapy script can you please just let me do it and he was like no Ocean, i'm just not tired there's no way i'm gonna sleep so i'm like shh lay down, relax, and let me do my script. I'm not joking, hand on heart. Three minutes into my script, he's, you know when your muscles twitch because you're so, so asleep? Completely passed out. No way. I swear my mother's life. And for someone that doesn't even believe in hypnotherapy, and in the morning, he woke me up at like 7 a.m. Like, oh, should, oh should, you hypnotized me last night. Like, yes, I did, actually. Yes, I did. Yes! So, so most of you're like, yes. You know, it works. But, you you, you know, and, and it's funny because usually I'd say you have to believe in it. Mm -hmm. But in this case, he didn't even believe in it. I love that. It's yeah, hard so when, it when, when, you, when you prove someone wrong. That, like, I love that. It's, not, it's, it's great. It's like, ha. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's great because you great. know because you're doing it for them like like in this case it's your boyfriend yeah, right course. and you're doing it with his best interests yeah. <laughs> at heart and um you know it can help potentially and he's just got to be yeah, open to absolutely. the opportunity and i like in any other scenario i'm trying to think through that if you would if he'd rung you up and been like let me let me try it over the phone he probably would have just put the phone down and been like no i'll, I'll yeah, try something yeah else. It pro he probably would have been like it's not working yeah that's why it's really good with hypnotherapy, hypnotherapy to actually be in person, mm -hmm. um, because you know you can actually analyze the person whether their eyes are twitching, whether they're actually focused, whether they're, you know, sleeping or they're in a state of relaxation. You know, you can really become aware with that person. So Whereas if you're over the phone, you can't. What What do you use the hypnotherapy for? Is it always sleeping? Is it other things? No, no, no. Sleeping, depression, anxiety, weight loss, smoking, you know, the, the, the stress, the, the list is endless. You can use it for whatever you wish, wish to use it for. Um, it's just a because, because, you know, think about it, the subconscious mind can be spoken to about whatever topic that you wish to speak to mm -hmm. it about. So we, you are able to kind of decide which of those. And you have that conversation with your clients. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then I'm guessing with, with regards to the life coaching aspect, they go hand in hand. Yeah. So with life coaching, it's very, you know, think about it like this. <laughs> As you said earlier in the podcast, <laughs> the mind can only take so much. Mm -hmm. So if you're constantly thinking about some negativity or some intrusive thoughts, you need to get those out. And some people don't feel comfortable to speak to their family or friends. So with life coaching, it's sometimes it's just the first half an hour. It's actually just their release to them to just actually release to me how they feel. And then after that is when I start coming in with my techniques and coping mechanisms, you know, and some sometimes people just need to hear something that they probably know deep down, but you need to word it in a way that will actually change their perception on the fact or the matter. Yes. Yes, I like that. I so they probably that. know it deep down, but you need to be told it. You need to, you need to fight. They... 
you need to find the word, the right words that they can access and that makes sense for them. Yes. And that way of thinking, yeah. that It's like a new language. Yeah. Yeah. And is that, exactly um, and is that. there a specific type of way of life coaching you use or is it very much just this, this, the bog standard? The way, I, I think mine is very different because I think I input a lot of my kind of knowledge from my, my master's and my degree in right. the psychology aspect. So, and also obviously the fact that I've also got the hypnotherapy on the side. I've re read a lot of books on kind of like philosophy and coaching of the mind. So, you know, it's a lot of that manipulation from each aspect. I like to think of it as an integrated way of kind of conducting life coaching. It's not just the average life coaching of like, you can do better. You know, it's more, I'm going to give you skills. I'm going to give you techniques and I'm going to let you rant out how you feel. And then I'm going to try and make you feel better. And I'm pretty sure I will make you feel better. Right. I understand that. That makes sense. How, how, how do your clients respond to that? How do your patients respond to that? Do you call them patients? What's the terminology? Oh, I mean, I personally would say clients. I clients. just think it's just easier. But sometimes I say patients because I just get, you know, when you just sometimes forget you in your mind. Um, yeah, exactly. But no clients. I mean, they, I've always had such incredible responses. You know, one of my clients from Canada even drew a beautiful piece of artwork to show how she felt after two of our sessions, which was kind of like, it was a hand clenched. She was feeling so distressed and after our sessions she drew the hand open again and honestly that really really moved me and it, it just made everything feel worthwhile yeah. um, I shared it on my page it was just yeah so I think I have some really amazing responses back and it, it means a lot to me how, how do you work through the the more difficult cases where you're not tapping into that person's subconscious where you're not able to access the, the right parts of the right parts that need us accessing for that particular person and what they want out of the, the, the sessions. I would say that in the, in that situation is every sort of obviously every individual case is so different, yeah. but I think that when it's a more, um, a harder situation mm -hmm. for the person, it's more about the fact that maybe it may take a few sessions for them to open up and for them to actually get the ball rolling with the coaching rather than it just being straight in. Some people can just already be, you know, receptive, but some people you need to build the rapport. And I think that's the most important part. And that's something that I've built over time with clients. And that has helped a lot with how successful the sessions have been. That's great. That's, that's awesome. The fact that you, yeah. you're, you're still going through that process of, even though it might be more difficult to begin with, you're still putting in that work with that client. It's not just like, I, I can't do anything for you after Absolutely. one session i love that i think yeah, I, 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 something at the top of my head is if you could go back in your education um mm -hmm. would you still take the same path that you did towards hypnotherapy towards <laughs> therapy towards life coaching absolutely were there any really advice that you'd give to to someone that's coming up or someone that that likes what you do yeah, so I mean, I would never change what I did. I think for someone that would, would likes what I do and kind of wants to follow that path, I would definitely say, you know, if you want to go down the clinical psychology route, do your MSc because it gives you that extra year where you can get some work experience in and then have a couple of more years of work experience before you apply for a doctorate. Right. Because otherwise it can be really um, belittling when you keep applying and they keep rejecting you. Oh, trust me. I so I would say... Yeah, exactly. So I would say take a couple of years to do some work experience. But on the side, why not do a hypnotherapy course? Why not do a life coaching course, you know, so you can still practice what you enjoy so much, um, whilst waiting for your education to further basically. Perfect. That's, that's, I think that's some good advice. So you stay, you stay using what you've learned over those years, but you, you add on yeah. the extra year for the clinical psychology if you're interested in it. You add on three extra years, so it's three, a doctorate three, three extra years. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So it's a PhD. So it's, so it's PhD? seven years. Yeah, it's a declin. Yeah. Is that is that what it's designated, declin? Yeah, a declin. So you'd be a doctor afterwards. Wow, doctor. Oh, yeah, 
Yeah, Dr. Ocean. I think it sounds quite cool to be honest it's with you. When nice I think about it, I'm like, it. Dr. Ocean has got quite a nice. If I if I was like, oh, I made an appointment with a GP and it was Dr. Ocean, I'd be like, oh, cool. Quite like that name. I quite like um, Prime Minister Viraj. So I'm working towards that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds quite cool as well. I like that. I like PM Viraj. I think it's, it's got, got a nice ring to it. it. Exact. PM Acharya. It's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> really does. They're the really, aims. We're aiming high. Aiming, aiming right up there. I, no, you know what? That that would be a an interesting life goal to achieve. I'm not sure the route awesome. that it would take, but you know what? Let's let's start with a podcast. Let's see if we can scale from there. <laughs> yeah, let's start with a podcast, and then we'll oh, take a few steps before that, and then we'll we'll get to that point. We'll get to politics eventually. We'll get to politicians on. Yeah, the exactly. <laughs> Um, I'm waiting for that moment. That would be that would be absolutely hilarious. I'm not sure how I'd deal with the whole COVID situation, but yeah, no, that would be would that I. would be a learning curve to say the least. <laughs> what's the um? Do you what's the biggest thing that you've kind of had to deal with yourself when it comes to therapy? Is is that something that you? Because it must be weird if you suffer with depression and I'm not sure if you do, but you suffer with depression, and anxiety um, or mental health issues, but then you're practicing a, well, basically a business that where you're, where you're advising other people. How do you, yeah. how do you cope with that? Do you go to a therapist? Do you work on it? How do you work on it yourself when you actually know what everyone else is going to do? Well, this is the thing. So I'm, I'm very open and honest. I think first, I think, you know, therapy is, absolutely crucial for everyone because mm-hmm. everyone has something that they feel now me personally i actually have never suffered with depression or anxiety and um, i my mental health thank god has been okay um but that doesn't that doesn't say that i haven't had those blips and you know needless to say i have had those moments where i have felt kind of overriding feelings of anxiousness um so, you know, I'm very careful because I would never say to my, never say I suffer with something because I, I, I think that there's such tender words. And so right. I don't feel like that. I'm allowed, I'm allowed to say that, mm-hmm. you know, but what I can say is that when I, you know, for me, such as I, you know, obviously people going through a breakup, it's not very nice. And right. I think that I think my situation where I've ever felt that I need to see a psychologist when my parents got divorced, I saw a psychologist. Obviously, that's fine. And that was many, many years ago. But again, the only time that I've seen a psychologist since then has been when I went through my my most recent breakup. And I think, you know, it was just needed. And I and I would never, I would tell anyone openly, it's difficult because of the fact that I'm always preaching, be happy, do this, you know, be be that person. But of course, when you're going through that, that type of pain, it's so difficult because you're trying to tell yourself to do all these things, but sometimes your mind doesn't listen because yeah. you're, you're in pain. Yeah. You know, you, it's, it's so hard. And I think that I definitely felt those kind of anxious moments going through a breakup and also those sad moments. You know, I, I had those days where I just sit there and be like, no, no, I can't. I can't today. You know, it's just, I went through that whole thing where can't it was like, just, I can't deal with life. Just leave me alone. I just, yeah, yeah. I need myself I right now. Yeah, I tried everything. I did paint by numbers. I read Jay Shetty's book. I saw a psychologist. I dated other people. I I tried everything under the sun. I ate everything and then I didn't eat anything. You know, like it's 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 a cycle and I think you need to accept that um uh, love is so difficult and it's a r- big kind of like range of emotions you will go through. But for me, I found accepting them the most important part accepting accepting your emotions is incredibly difficult especially when you have been wired in a way where you know throughout your life and the life that we we live we lead now where you can say something and your emotions are instantly affected and you act on those emotions and you're constantly acting on those emotions and not not everyone puts in the time and takes the time to reflect on emotions and you know i've Same. i've been through one breakup in my lifetime that that kind of you know what for me it was the catalyst of my depression because i didn't know i was in love until afterwards and then it was like oh you messed up here viraj 
Yeah. May I just say, very frequent with men, that they realize after. Hey, hey, now. In the least sexist way possible. <laughs> now, but I'm honest. You are honest. I like it. I, I, take, I take no offense. If, if that's the stat, that's the stat. Um, <laughs> and, and you know what? I, I didn't know, but I'd never been in love before. And I think now yeah. I know what that feels like. And I know that it can manifest itself in different ways. So although I might be single at the moment and, you know, getting into a relationship is not the primary priority in my life at this moment in time, I'm still open mm -hmm. to the opportunity. I'm still open to getting to yeah. know someone. I'm still open to, to going through those emotions and talking. I think talking about it, especially with the other person is the most important thing. Communication is key. It's key. And I, it's and I, key. And I know that because I didn't communicate. And now maybe mm. I communicate too much and I'm, I'm working. I'm working through it. But it's just, it's trial and error. You miss some, you win some, yeah. and you lose some. But you, are, you have to constantly Agreed. look at the situation you're in and not, and like, like you said, the brain runs on autopilot and not run on autopilot. Like you're another human mm -hmm. being there that has a whole wealth of emotions. How do you know what's going mm. on in their head? And for me now, Whenever I'm in a heated conversation with someone, I pick up the phone. I don't text them. I can't refuse yeah. to text. And, and if I catch myself doing it, I'm like, you messed up here. Because how do you know what that person's been through? You know nothing about their day. And now you're having an Absolutely. argument. Yes. Because you can't actually understand how someone's feeling if you're texting. You know, you're behind exactly. that wall. But if you're in person or you're on the phone, you can appreciate and empathize with those emotions. And that empathy is a huge factor, is a huge factor. It's like with the podcast. I need, I, I insist on a video call so I can look the person in the yeah. eyes and be like, how much are you going to give me? Not ask, yeah. just look at them and be like, is this going to be 50-50? Is this going to be 80-20? Or am I going to actually have to carry this episode? And sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's like that. And, you know, people change when they're on camera. I mean, you've racked up the hours now. So ocean on camera is the same ocean that is in real life. But mm. like you said, yeah. the ocean, the first, the first ocean that did that first IGTV, that first Instagram live was not, it was not the real ocean. It's not the ocean that I would speak to no. in the flesh. So yeah, you've exactly. constantly got to work through that, but you can't figure that out. If you can't see someone, the voice only tells you so much. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. And I think it's really important. And again, I think something that, you know, linking that to relationships is that communication is definitely key. And also not only that, it's understanding, as you said, other people have emotions. You know, if you spend your whole life only doing everything based on your own emotion, you'll live a sad life because you can't live like that. You have to take the you have to take other people's emotions into account. Otherwise, yes. what they will give you back is negativity or you'll hurt them. I think, and, I think you can live a happy life, but you won't yeah, have maybe. people around you. Yeah, you'll hurt others around. But what, what I mean by a happy life is, you know, if you're in a relationship with someone and, you, and all you think about is your own emotions, are you going to be happy in that relationship? Probably not, because you're not accounting for their emotions in your day-to-day. -day. How... You know when you're accounting for someone's emotions in a relationship, mm. and then mm. when you're not in a relationship, you kind of only do that with your friends, and that you know your maybe your nucleus or your close knit friends. Which do you prefer, mm -hmm. doing it with with, uh, with your friends around you, or or doing it with that individual that is your partner at that time? What do you mean? What do I prefer? What do I? Like, who do I prefer accounting for? Yeah, or is it everyone? Because, you know, you invest yourself in someone, in a single entity. Yeah. And then when you're, when you're single, when you're not in a relationship, you're doing that with a lot of other people. And sometimes, you know, people have social batteries. And sometimes they deplete a yes. lot faster than others. And when you're doing it with one person, you can, you, you can see very quickly if you're getting back what you're giving. Yes, but when you're doing I it agree. But when you're doing it with a, with a friendship group, <laughs> sometimes you don't see that. It takes, it's like a lagged effect. You only see that indicator further down the line. Yeah, and I agree, but I and I think answering that question, I would say a relationship because in a relationship, you're I think you're a bit more honest. You know, right. with friends, you're honest and you're the true person that you are. But in a relationship, you show the side that maybe you're not going to show your friends because 
that it's that intimate relationship. It's the side of you that no one sees. It's the loving side. And I think once you can open up and be accountable for another person's emotions in that kind of relationship, mm -hmm. I find it easier to account for a relationship's emotions because I find it easier to be sweet. And I in the sense of, you know, you can, you can make up for things because you can just be that baby version of you. You know, whereas with your friends, it would be a bit weird if I was a baby version of me to my friends. I mean, I don't, I think they would find that quite strange, but do you see what I mean? Yeah, I, I see what you mean. I see where you're going with it. Yeah, I see where you're going with what it. about you? I haven't been in a relationship long enough to give myself to a person. So I, I don't, I don't do the baby voice. But um, I try. No, no, no. I mean, as in, you know, I'm talking about like being cute, you know, being yeah, yeah, sweet I, I, in I the get, sense of being. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I, I don't know if I have that in me. I'm sure I do, but I haven't sure done it do. for such a long time uh, that I'm probably going to have to to remind myself of how that works. But I kind of operate on this way of living called radical transparency. And I try and be as transparent, mm -hmm. tra as transparent with everyone, always. Now, initially, That's amazing. initially, I thought that that meant just be transparent, just be like glass. But that doesn't really work because, in actuality, you kind of have to. You have to be opaque in a way, because people have boundaries, yeah. and you can't overstep those boundaries. And you just need to find the boundaries. You're so right apologize for overstepping the boundary and then just know where the boundary is like i've done that with my parents my brother um like i have a quite an open relationship with my parents like i talk about my relationships i talk about like what my friends are up to like it's not it's but i make that choice i don't keep my, my life secret yeah. anymore because what's the point what's the point of lying you just end up catching yourself in lies i've got caught myself in a lie and it's never fun yeah, no, I that's agree. That's just the way I, I really operate. Agree. And you know what? If I do get into a relationship, great. Um, I did a podcast yesterday and we were talking about, you know, Viraj and his relationships and kind of, I have this weird thought process when it comes to being in a relationship. And maybe that's because I've been single for so long. Um, but we were like, you can listen to it and then we can have a conversation about it. Oh yeah, definitely. I would love to. I'm going to listen to it. Definitely. Uh, it's it's it will come out. I think it's coming out next week. I've got to edit it. But okay, amazing. I, I'm looking forward to the journey that I I will eventually go on, or I hope to go on. You know what? Marriage and all of that. It's a long way off. I thought I was going to get married at 23. Genuinely, I thought I was going to be married and have kids at 23. Really? Here I, here I am at 23, and I'm like, are you absolutely crazy? I feel that. I feel that. Entirely. I was genuinely, I was ready. I was like two kids, you know, find a partner, um, live with the parents for the time being until you can, you can move out. And now I look back at that, that version of me and that, that thought process. And I, I just think to myself, how naive were you? Yeah. I don't know. I agree. I literally feel exactly the same, but I think everyone goes through that where they believe that kind of, oh, I will be married at 23 and I'll have children. But when you actually get to that age, life goes like this. And, you know, I'm not, like, I don't know about you, but I'm not ready to be selfish and uh, selfless enough to dedicate my life to a child right now. You know, I'm do too many that's, things. That's that interesting, do. right? But would you dedicate your life to your partner? What do you mean by dedication? Um, so... If I, and this is, this is what we're working on, I'm working on hypotheticals here. Um, for me, if my partner was, was running their own business, right, and mm -hmm. they needed to bring in extra help or they needed, to, they needed someone to, if we were going to have kids, I have no issue being the stay-at-home dad. I have no issue giving up the career that I was building in my nine-to-five to... Five to help her pursue i have zero ego in that and because i i i feel that sometimes i don't always have a north star i'm finding it it's all it's, it's constantly changing um mm -hmm. but the, the goal exists of being a better version of yourself that's kind of my my north north star that's the that's the true purpose of being i i figure out i, I think i figured out it might change but the point i'm making is like when you dedicate your life to someone will you give up 
your your like ocean's therapy to help him pursue i don't know if he's running a business um uh, running a whole uh, a whole clinic to help him run the clinic um, that's what see, I mean. that's an that's an interesting one because i believe in independent as much as i believe i don't believe in codependency i don't believe that you should rely on someone i believe that you should rely on you Agreed. because because i'm sorry but i people change and that is the facts but that it in the same kind of situation, I would, of course, be more than happy to give up my job to raise my children with my partner. If my partner were to pursue a, um, his career, I'd be more than happy to stay at home, be a stay-at-home mum, so that he'd be able to pursue that. However, at this age, when I'm not married and don't have children, am I willing to give up my job and my career? No. Do you think this That's ocean? A, do you think ocean at this age could have kids, or is it just a no? No. She's not ready. No. I mean, well, I mean, I am very, very good with kids. And God knows if I was given a child and I had to look after a child, I would be an amazing mom. You know, I, I know I would. But am I ready for a child right now? And would I be the best mother that I could be? No. And I don't want to bring children into the world right now being kind of a 50% mother when I want to be my 100% mother. I understand because that. childhood understand is that. so important. Childhood is like the crucial moments for any child growing up. So why would I give them a half-hearted effort of a childhood when I can give them my all? I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. That's my opinion on it. I yeah. like it. You know what? It works. It works. I I definitely couldn't have kids right now. And sure, I you know what? Yeah. I haven't played with kids in a long time. But I'm sure I'd be. Really? A good dad. I'm sure I'd be a good dad. I think I. I think I'd figure that one out. I'm sure you would be. I think you would be, definitely. I appreciate it. And I think when, you know, when a child's, you know, the thing is, is when you're given that, you, it's kind of interesting. It's like, you just adapt. It's kind of like you adapt to the life circumstance Mm -hmm. and you just flow with it. And it's important to learn how to flow with life circumstance changes. I used to find that statement (laughs) so annoying. I used to find, it used to grind my gears, go with the flow. What does that even mean? And it was only until yeah, no. you start doing nothing and just, just rolling with the punches without thinking yeah. about rolling with the punches. You know, this, yeah. this, this fuck it attitude, this, this attitude that got you to yeah. start Ocean's Therapy of like your mum saying, just do it, just do it. Yeah. That is going with, I think, I think that is going with the flow. Definitely. Yeah. And it helps. No, I agree. And it works. Here we are, two people, started things in our lockdown, started uh, just, you know, posting stuff on the internet, and now we're having a conversation. Literally. I know, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's crazy how things like this happen, but here we are. I love it. And I, I love everything that you stand for. And you know what? Thank you. I'd, I, I think what would be cool is if we can do, we can do a, a therapy session. For sure. Yeah, and we can have a conversation about how that would work and kind of go deep into your practices and the way that you do it and do kind of like a, potentially kind of do a, a YouTube video on that if that's cool with you. I would totally be up for that. Yeah, yeah we'll definitely, we'll make it happen. Let's figure that out. Ocean, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for Thank coming you. on. Thank you. Thank you. I've enjoyed talking to you about your faith. I've enjoyed talking about Ocean's Therapy minus the, the minor hiccup with the audio. <laughs> and and love no. is love is a touchy topic that most people or a lot of people are quite hesitant about hesitant about talking about so i appreciate you talking about your breakups talking about love and, and everything that, that that is and giving some advice no thank you so much honestly thank you so much for being such a great host and making me feel so comfortable um you know it's it's a real challenge to make someone feel so comfortable on the podcast um, and you've done it amazingly. So I appreciate thank you. it. Thank you. I'm working on it. I'm working on it every day. You are the you 52nd are. episode. I think you're like the 20th, wow. maybe the 15th guest that I've had. And so it's just this constant, Incredible. constant evolution. So I'm, I, I thank you for your kind words. No, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. I will, I will see you soon. We'll look in that therapy session and we'll, uh, we'll get cracking on some content. 100%. I look forward to it. Amazing. I'll see you soon. Thanks, Ocean. See you, Raj. Bye.